Hey everybody, just a heads up before we start the show, one of our two hosts had a fan running in the back of their recording environment, so if you hear a whirring sound in the background, that's what it is. Your car or your device or your, whatever, your headphones, whatever you use to listen to these episodes, it's not at fault. That was on our end. You know, hands up. We got to be better. We pledge to do better. We've already received a thorough tongue lashing from the big wigs up at corporate about this, and we uh, we are we are pledging to be better going forward. You know, it's been a long break and loose concept. We're just getting back into it now. We still gotta t- t- clean up our act, tighten up the ship a little bit more, but uh, we'll be in good shape uh, going forward. So yeah, just a heads up about that. All right, here's the rest of the episode. Enjoy the show. Listen, sister, I don't dance. I can't take time out now to learn. Smoke mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. We're more like treasure protectors. Who's scruffy looking? They're gonna hate us at the beginning, but we'll get them in the air. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of Loose Concept, the loosest conceptual movie podcast on the internet. My name is Elijah Smith, and joining me tonight across the world wide web of the internet, we've got Mr. Uh, Mr. Move the Money Around. He's flying to the Caymans tomorrow morning to handle Mr. Caps personally. Ooh. Sean Mackey on the mic. What up, yeah. Sean? Welcome back to the show. Oh, yeah. This is, yeah, you're, you made a good point. Um, this does align somewhat with financial planning, except this is all Heck illegal. Yeah. You're so. just you're as a as a financial planner for the mob yourself. There's no one better to talk about this movie of the week than right you. than me. Yeah, I had so many good like intro lines. I was gonna do. I was gonna do. He's never failed the bar exam. <laughs> or I was gonna do. Uh, he gets paid to be suspicious when he's got nothing to be suspicious about. <laughs> those are good. I would have used those if we had other guests, but we don't. Tonight it's just Sean and I, the OGs, the loose, the loosest of the loose. Just hanging out we're back we're back baby yeah we're back we're back in the swing of things back in the proverbial saddle if you will um but yeah that's a little tease those were just some teases for you on our movie of the week some teasers before we get there we got a couple other uh items to discuss first and foremost sean coming out yesterday came out yesterday neither of us have seen it yet but uh killers of the flower moon they gonna kill that flower moon or what? <laughs> if you actually knew what that meant. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, super excited for the new Killers of the Flower Moon um, story. That's kind of I feel like gonna take over um, this holiday before Christmas. I think this movie's just gonna be the movie mm-hmm. to watch. So. Um, if you have time and enjoy reading, I'm reading it right now and highly recommend the book um, and just studying the story and super excited. But I am waiting to watch the movie until I finish the book. So maybe on the oh, next wow. episode, we can do Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, I'm down. How much more of the book do you have to go? Like, are we talking like you About won't be halfway. watching the movie? It goes pretty fast. It's only 300 pages on the paperback. So I've got like 150 pages left. So... Yeah, okay. should be able to cruise through it. The I'm book also waiting ki- for some friends to watch it. So, there's oh, gotcha. I can't really 
watch it this weekend anyways. The book Killers of the Flower Moon was written by David Gran, who also wrote The Wager, which I just read. And it was pretty fast. It's a fast-moving book. Yeah, would you recommend for our listeners? Oh, 100%. Yeah, great book. And actually, apparently, supposedly, the the rumor, the scuttlebutt, is that the next movie that Scorsese and, uh, De, Ni- and uh, De Niro and... Uh, what's his face? Why can't I think of his name? DiCaprio. You've been out of the game too long. <laughs> can't remember the literally other... the, the one of the most famous actors alive right now. I cannot remember Leo, his name. Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, the next Scorsese and Leo DiCaprio movie is supposed to be... They're going to be making a movie of The Wager, so... David Grant just raking in those royalty checks right now from his books, basically. Yeah. They probably are like, when's the next one coming out? But The Wager just came out this year, I believe, so. Yeah, I would recommend The Wager. I didn't I didn't elect to read Killers of the Flower Moon, but I might have to go back to seeing uh, now some of these reviews people are uh, re- leaving about Killers of the Flower Moon. It sounds like it's a it's pretty, pretty great, great movie, so. Yeah. Pretty riveting. I think on this podcast, I'm typically uh, averse to movies that are three and a half hours long, like Killers of the Flower Moon. But um, I don't know. I may have to make an exception here. Yeah, when I saw the runtime, I was like, this this will be lower on the priority list for Elijah because <laughs> uh, three and a half hours. And it's Leo, which you're not the biggest fan of. So Yeah. But now um, I've realized that there's this um, this ongoing war between like uh, the comic, the Marvel Bros and Scorsese. Apparently, they hate Scorsese because Scorsese hates Marvel movies, and uh, oh. they're just going back and forth. And I, I've also very on the record as being very against Marvel comic book movies. So I might, you know, Scorsese might be an enemy of my enemy is my friend uh, type scenario here yeah. going on. So I might be all in on he's, Killers of the Flower Moon now. He's trying to protect film. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be the one to watch um, going into... I, I don't know if it's if it's totally like, oh, let's take the whole family to go see Killers <laughs> of the Flower Moon for Thanksgiving, but... Um, we just had our, maybe just had our of, turkey the time to sit down and watch some uh, yeah yeah I don't know you just want a good good uh, family story <laughs> <laughs> fun look for the elsewhere whole family <laughs> the real question though is is this movie gonna be doing those Oppenheimer numbers those Oppie numbies well it doesn't have a good pairing like the Barbenheimer yeah. um, combo um. And it doesn't, I don't know, I've been talking with people because I've kind of been an evangelist for this book and movie, and most people are like, oh, I don't, I've never heard of that. Um, so, I don't know how it's going to do. We'll have to see on Sunday when they publish the numbers um, yeah. for the first week. But I think what will, what will happen is it's an Apple movie, um, so we'll go on Apple TV on streaming, so I think it could have some staying power later on. Um, where people go back and and watch it uh, um, outside of theaters. It's gonna have, it's gonna have a long tail. Yeah, you know when it's got so, that Tim anyway. Apple stamp of approval, it's gonna do gonna do numbers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, our shouts our guy Tim Apple. But yeah, um, so yeah, that's our little uh, pre prelude for our eventual Killers of the Flower Moon episode. 
So just be on the lookout, listeners. We will be talking about that movie eventually. So uh, keep your ears open. Um, yeah, last week's episode, we talked about the Barbenheimer phenomenon. That was before we realized the numbers, you know, and <laughs> the time warp that loose concept exists. And uh, we didn't <laughs> last week. We didn't know that it was going to be this uh, this successful. But now that we have lived through that week and we are in the next week of the loose concept universe, we know Oppenheimer was, you know, made a ton of money. How do you feel about that? Yeah. You were an Oppenheimer fan, right? I I really enjoyed it. I I think that I think the reason why we didn't do it yet on the podcast was I think you just needed some time for it to go through the slow cooker. I, I don't know if you watched it a second time and had different thoughts or um, I didn't. I didn't give it this give it the second viewing. I don't think I need to give it the second viewing. I think my thoughts are solidified. So we could talk about that one at some point. Maybe I need to maybe I may I you know what? Let's wait till we have the opportunity to rewatch and then I'll, we'll do that. Yeah. Do that episode once it comes out on demand or whatever. Yeah, I'll have to do a re- rewind cuz I definitely have thoughts. But you know, here at Loose Concept, we like to really just, you know, meditate on things and think about developing informed opinions. We don't just shoot from the, the hip here. We develop informed, right. educated, wise, uh, just very considerate opinions. And uh, yeah. we, we need to do that about Oppenheimer. So that's another movie that we'll be discussing uh, eventually at some point we're just given the lay of the land of the new season you know the new season of of uh, loose concept lc yeah it's a new era you know uh taylor swift is doing her eras tour which she has a movie tie-in <laughs> look at that yeah. that's what that's what in the business we, we call a segue we're segueing to taylor swift's eras we're in a new era of loose concept as well um just giving you some previews, some previews for the new era. Sean, are you seeing the Taylor Swift eras tour in theaters? You know, I was fascinated by it because I feel like it's been such a cultural phenomenon for the last, I don't know, 18 months or something. Yeah. Maybe two years uh, that I was kind of like, oh, well, if I can go see it in the movie theater and I don't have to fly to another city or get gigabit <laughs> internet, um, and uh, have a bunch of screaming people around me. Maybe I'll just go check it out and see what 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 it's all about. But well, I, it I seems not like seen the uh, screaming people around you are going to be there uh, if you're in the theater or at the actual concert. Have you seen any of those clips of the people like the girls just getting up and dancing and like running around, yeah. and shining lights and stuff during the concert? How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's like a party. Are they being sacrilegious to the theater? No, I mean it's a it's a, a tour documentary kind of live concert event. So I'm I'm fine with with. I mean, you got to expect that going in. Yeah, I think there was some talk going around of um, the Talking Heads documentary that came out that people were just they weren't singing and they were just kind of like. I don't know. I think the documentary right. got good reviews, the, the like um, re-release, but everyone was just like, I went to it and no one was like singing or <laughs> the like room was just dead. So I would rather have people passionate about it. Yeah. Um, just you're sitting in your seat and you're just like, oh, yep, that that was a good one. 1989 yeah. album. Yeah. I love that. And just like mm, bobbing your yes. head. Yes. So. Fearless, my favorite. 
I appreciate that she just sang that song. Fifteen. Uh, my that's where my my Taylor Swift knowledge ends. I will say, here's the angle I'm coming from it to it with Sean. So far, every single girl yeah. I've dated in my life has been a massive Taylor Swift fan. So, I think all the eligible females will be at this uh, these movies to see the Taylor Swift eras tour. And I think we should just go, and that's how we get girlfriends. Yeah, just be like, this. What's your era? And then just like get into yeah, yeah full be blown like, into the culture. I too am a massive Swifty, <laughs> Swifthead, Swifto. Like Swiffer. she really put Kelsey on the map, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Anyway, yeah. by the time this episode comes out, they could be broken up, and then that this will all I be know. for nothing. All these takes are just gonna be old. Anyway, let's keep this train rolling. We gotta keep this train rolling. Next up, let's talk about our feature film of the week. This week, we will be discussing. The firm. <laughs> Good announcement. The lawyers at your firm sure seem accident prone. No lawyer has ever left your law firm alive. Why are you asking questions about dead lawyers? You know what's going on here? We keep each other's secrets. If we run, they find us. I know you'll do your best to protect the firm. Won't you, Mitch? Get out of here. Tom Cruise, the firm Rigdar. All right, that's right. This week we're going to be discussing the 1993 law judicial classic courtroom. It's not really a courtroom. It's like the courtroom drama without the courtroom. We're talking about the Sidney Pollock directed The Firm. Starring uh, is based off of a John Grissom Grissom novel, I believe. It's just got a who's the the cast is just insane cash. We'll talk talk about this, this later, but off. just just so you get the uh, the lay of the land here, we got Tom Cruise, Gene Triplehorn, Gene Hackman, Hal Holbrook, Terry Kinney, Ed Harris, Holly Hunter, David Strathern, Gary Busey, Wilford Brimley. Just a who's who of, of of great stars here. Jerry Weintraub. Just, you know, Jerry Harding. Everybody's in this. Come on. Like, come on. K- Karina Lombard as young woman on beach. Margot Martindale. <laughs> what more could you ask for in a movie here? <laughs> There's so many people. There are. It is a great cast. Dean Norris from of Breaking Bad fame. Like, what? Oh, yeah. The that guy, David uh, Strathairn? Is that how you say it? Str- Strathairn. Strathairn. Strathairn? Strathairn? He's like that guy. Isn't he in... Uh, I think he's in the Bourne movies. He's in the... He is in a Bourne movie or two. He's also in uh, The Expanse, the Amazon show. I don't know if you ever watched that. Oh. I did not He's also the, the father of the former keyboard player for Dawes he's the father of the former keyboardist his son was in Dawes for like many years for like five years or something six years why did he get kicked out uh because they found Lee Pardini is like a freaking monster on the the keys tickling the ivories 
Anyway, wow. this is not a Dawes podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> I, could, I could talk about Dawes I feel for like a long time. There could be there could be a little junior or like sub podcast of just Elijah sharing all of the different bandmates <laughs> and their connections. Band connections. I feel like that's that's your that's your huge skill. It's like, oh, this guy was in a studio with this guy in Nashville, and then they came up with this project together, and then he dated this girl, and she ended up becoming... Yeah, it's just like, what? I didn't know all this was on Wikipedia. His father was in The Firm, starring Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's all there. You just gotta... It's, it's all out there, just floating in the air. You just gotta know how to grab it. That's a little little yeah. heat reference for everybody listening. This stuff just flies through the air. They send this information out, I and mean, it's just beamed out all over the fucking place. You all have to do is know how to grab it. See, I know how to grab it. Um... Anyway, back to the firm. 1993 is the firm starring Tom Cruise. I wasn't informed by my parents that apparently the book is infinitely better than this movie, which I don't know. Really good, it is. Good movie. You read the book, Sean? I read the book, yeah, before I watched the movie, and I was a little disappointed in the movie. Oh, really? Okay, so you can voice their their concerns. It just it left everything. It left a lot of stuff out. Oh, really? Okay. Well, maybe we can... Uh, should we do that at the beginning? or at, Let's talk about the beginning. What's what's in the movie that's... Well, this is a spoiler. By the way, this is a spoiler-friendly podcast. We're just going to spoil this movie. If you haven't seen The Firm by now, it came out in 1993, <laughs> which is literally 30 years ago. So <laughs> that's on you. We're going to spoil spoil The Firm. I think it's impossible to spoil The Firm at this point. But anyway, how's the, how's the, the movie different than the book, Sean? Um, it's difficult for me to surmise that because I, uh, I read the book probably 15 years ago, but I, I, from what I remember, there was a lot more of the behind the scenes, like, um, detective work that was going on by uh, the firm, um, to spy on, um, uh, Mitch, Mitch. McGear. Um, great name. And so there's a lot of that that was get, was getting revealed. I feel like in a more, um, you know, slower pace throughout the like you know mo- the book. Um, yeah. And I feel like there's more like actual work that Mitch does. Like you you follow along his his daily life of what he's doing and the um, tension between his wife and him on he. Um, you know, staying late and kind of doing a little bit shady stuff, going down to the Caymans constantly, and Mitch kind of unravels it over time. And I feel like that pacing is very much sped up in the movie, obviously, because it needs to be, uh, you know, a movie and not a uh, you know a mini series. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, I feel like it, the movie sometimes can just like it can tell without showing. Um, what's going on just because it needs to get to the next to the next point and and even towards the end of the movie I feel I feel like there's more detail about them coming up with the idea on how they were going to um, take down the firm um, yeah and and I feel like a lot of that you don't even really know what's happening in like the last 45 minutes of the movie yeah that makes um, sense because Mitch is just like oh let's get a copy machine and um, let's have this the secretary of the PI just you know like all that stuff you know I think in the movie it does a good job maybe of not really telling you but in the in the book there's a lot more color to all of the um, descriptions and 
um, plot lines that Mitch is coming up with, and you really see how smart he is, where I think in the movie sometimes it's a little bit lacking on how he's putting all this together. You just kind of see it at right. the end, and it's a big bombshell, whereas you gotta, in the it book forces you're kind you of seeing for yourself. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, so, but I think it's a really good rendition. I just think yeah. if you are interested in re you know, uh, uh, getting acquainted <laughs> with this canon. If you're interested in I would, the universe of the firm, the firmiverse. Yeah, I would highly suggest the book, but I feel like that's with any any movie book ad- adaptation. It's always like the book's better. I feel like that's a big but. shift for the the podcast in this in this new era. Is that we're just we're just all in on books. We're a big book podcast <laughs> now. We're just reading books, yeah. talking about books. Maybe who knows? Maybe we'll just switch to just being. We'll just talk about books a on this bo- podcast. A book, book podcast. You know, it's just two big brain dudes talking to each other about literature. Just, what, just what, intellectuals. What do you want from us? Yeah, sorry, we're intellectuals. Like, come on. Yeah, I went on a vacation and I read five books. So <laughs> I just didn't do anything but read. Anyway, let's pivot to the actual meat and potatoes of the podcast here. Let's talk about, let's get in some of the categories. La categorias. First, we, everybody, as you know, as our listeners, we like to start off with a little best slash worst. We're going to just hit the bests first. Sean, what's the best part about this movie? Now that you just said, you know, the book's a little better, whatever, what's good about the movie? Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is the best. The Cruise Man. Um, yeah, I think Scientology. he just really takes on the character of Mitch and kind of sells it. Um and he's always kind of, I think with the one difference between the movie and the, the book, but he does a good job, is like he's kind of frantic all the time. Like he's always just like running around and like, oh, what am I doing, you know, next? Um, but it's just like classic cruise. He does a lot of sweating. Yeah, and just like running down alleyways and, and just really smooth talker. So I think he, his performance, um, I think ages really well, even, you know. Uh, what would it be? It's like 30 years later we're watching this movie and it's one of Tom Cruise's first, uh, you know, big blockbusters, I guess. So I think think he's the best part. Great looking guy. What about you? TC. Um, TC's great. It's hard to go against that, but I have a couple things. I have a couple bests. You know, you may say best is a superlative term and you can't have multiple (laughs) bests, but this is my podcast. I mean, our podcast, and I get to just make the rules as I go. So here's a whole whole slew of best. First and foremost, the first best, maybe 1A on my list of the, the, the best things about this movie is the soundtrack, the piano, jazz piano soundtrack. Freaking rips Ooh. the whole time. Shout, big shouts to Dave Grusin doing the, the sound, the trackies on here. Yeah, did you see that trivia that he the entire soundtrack was a piano? No other instrument. I know it rocks. It's so sick. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best sound. It's like one of one of the all-time great soundtracks. I'm not even a soundtrack guy, but I will tell you this soundtrack is so great. Um, very close in the 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 best parts of the movie uh, follow up. One uh, B, if you will, is uh, Wilford Brimley's mustache. <laughs> Absolutely elite. Just great stash slash balding combo going on there for Wilford Brimley. I think his legendary his uh 
I think his mustache is pretty legendary at this point. If anyone who's seen his diabetes ads, yeah, um, it's but pretty uh, much a new character. Yeah, it's it's the best. It rocks. I don't know how else to tell you that. Um, and then last but not least are the character names. I just like the, the way everyone's named. I don't. Know, I guess this is. I guess John Grisham named them. So, shouts to John Grisham. But Mitch McDeer, Avery Tolar, William Davisher, Timmy Hemphill. Wayne Terrence, Eddie Lomax, like these these <laughs> names are just incredible. No one's yeah. naming characters like this in movies anymore. <laughs> and honestly, like we used to be a society, Sean. Like we used to have real <laughs> names of people in our movies and we don't we don't anymore. So those are my three my three best uh That's things good. about this movie. Really character building. Yeah. Lamar Quinn. There's a dude named Lamar. Like, come on. A white guy named <laughs> Lamar. Lamar. This is the this is the best. <laughs> Uh, what's the worst part of this movie, Sean? I feel like at times, um, I think Gene Gene Hackman uh, as Avery Tolar is a really unique character in um, this movie, and I feel like at times uh, he's he's just this perfect. Um, I don't know. He he's just like a really good manager. He he knows Mitch. He knows how to sort of use him. And everyone else just, all the other lawyers just seem kind of weird and like very serious. And Avery's just like, wants to have a good time. He's like, let's go down to the Caymans. Like, (laughs) you want to go scuba diving? And he like does excellent work for his clients, but he also has fun. And like every other person in Memphis is just like so serious. And um, so at times I feel like you lose the sense of, um, Gene Hackman because you're just like oh yeah where is Gene Hackman like he's just you kind of <laughs> lose him at times um, uh, so you need you need more Avery Tolar is what you're yeah I feel like yeah I feel like in in the movie um, his character was maybe limited more so than in the <laughs> books so I should have known yours was going to have to do with Gene Hackman noted Gene Hackman guy on the pod yeah He's Big a good, 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 good pair, pairing with uh, John Grisham. He's a sick character. He's just like chilling down there in the Caymans, just at that tiki bar, just hanging out, dancing in the dance floor a little bit, like oh, yeah. cutting a rug. It's great. He's awesome. What's your worst? Yeah, my worst is uh, I think it's just like a little long. It drags a little. Yeah. You know, get a, get a little too like... Uh, it's weird because it drags, but then also, like you're saying, it, it does get hard to follow, like with what he's doing exactly to to exactly. circumvent the the firm. So it's like a weird combination of like over explaining but not explaining well. So it's like yeah. too much too much information but not the right information. Maybe is the best way to explain it. I think that's that's the worst part of it for me. Other than that, that's so. Where great. do you think like it it lost steam? Um, well, we can get into this later on when we get to cut a scene at a scene, but I remember looking up at it about, I think it's like an hour and a half in and you realize you still have like another hour and a half to go. And, uh, you feel, it's like when in my brain, when the movie starts wrapping up is like halfway, th- halfway through, but then he has to still do his like whole scheme. So I think him carrying out the scheme at the end. And like all the little twists and turns of that is just a little drawn out. 
Because in my head, that's like the end of the movie. Yeah. But it's just there's just so much more movie there that I don't think there needs to be. But yeah. anyway, that's a different combo for cut a scene, add a scene. Before we get into that, let's talk recast a role. Sean, recast a role. This is where we recast a role in the movie with anybody we want. Do you have any uh, any recasts? Yeah, so um, now you did make that plural. Um, oh, I mean, if you want to do I only multiples, have, you can. I, yeah, I only have I only have one. It would be actually Abby McDear. Um, mm, mm, uh, love it. The actress playing Abby McDear, Jeannie uh, Triplehorn. I would replace yeah. her with Marissa Tomei. I mean, now I, you're speaking my language. Don't tempt me with a good time. I feel like her energy with Tom Cruise would just... The last hour of the movie when they're sort of working with each other, but they're not. They're kind of mad at each other. I feel like Gene Triplehorn just is kind of awkward in that yeah. place. Like The classic scene that made me just write her name down was when she's at the schoolyard... And Avery comes by, and he's like, hey, you want to go to the Caymans? And she's like, uh, I'm going to see my mom. <laughs> that was just so awkward. And then, if you remember, she, like, like runs away, like, so awkwardly. It's, like, the cringiest scene in the whole movie. Um, yeah, it's terrible. So, I think Marissa Tomei would have done a really good job working with Holly Hunter as well. I feel like they're both like spunky mm. and fun and yeah. um I think they would have been a good pairing cuz they're like in the in the movie for like 30 or 40 minutes together um towards the end kind of working together and so I think that would have been really dynamite to have um just all well, three of them kind of working together. So <laughs> it's not really 30 or 40 minutes. Uh, there's a little trivia fact in that uh, Holly Hunter is on screen for a total of five minutes and 59 seconds. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Like the last 40 minutes of the movie, they yeah, are working behind the scenes. Mean. But yeah, I did see that because she got an Oscar nomination. Yeah, she, it's the shortest, shortest performance ever to get an Oscar or one of the shortest performances ever nominated yeah. for an Oscar. <laughs> five minutes. Six minutes, really. Very interesting, yeah. Shouts to Holly Hunter. She just she just comes off the bench, lights it up, and then sits back down. You <laughs> yeah. gotta respect it. Um, so good. But yeah, I can I can see what you mean. Who are you Gene putting Triple for Horn. your recast or recast? Um. So this my initial thought was, can we get James Caan in this movie as one of the like mob guys? Ooh tie-in with the godfather godfather tie-in it's all the same universe oh pacino get pacino in here one of the mob guys i don't know pacino could be sunny caps down in the caymans why not that would that would be that would be good yeah that was my initial recast but then you know the more i thought about it i had had the thought that at the end of the movie the mob guys that I was thinking of recasting to get my, my dumb Godfather tie in. Those guys at the end are the same mob guys who are also in the the infamous uh, class David Arquette classic C Spot Run. So then I was thinking, oh, really? is the firm and C Spot <laughs> Run do they share a universe? Look at me, I'm just like a Marvel bro right now. Everything's a shared universe. <laughs> Everything's the multiverse. A universe. 
<laughs> then I like that better anyway. So I like the idea that the firm and C Spot Run are the same same world, <laughs> the same universe. So, so my so recasting them kind of went out the window, and then yeah, I don't know. I was I didn't really have anything after that. I just sort of just sort of fell off the map. I was like, it's perfect. The cast is great. What about Lamar? What did you think of Lamar? He's he's the perfect amount of like creepy. Like this guy is this guy knows something's going on. That scene where the he's sitting in the yard and the sprinkler is just like hitting yeah. his leg and he just doesn't care. He's just blasting his. And his beer's not even open. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That he's great at he's great at his job. I can't I can't recast him. He crushes it. Yeah, he was he was very much quietly tormented. Yeah. I like David Strathern as Ray McDear. He's like very believably to me a to- like Tom Cruise's older brother. It's like I don't know if it's because they have that same hairstyle or what it is, but something about it's like yeah, this guy this guy seems like he's Tom Cruise's awkward older brother. That makes sense. Checks out. Yeah, he was he was a good casting. I could see wanting to recast Triple Horn. She's she's seems flat for a lot of it, but I don't I don't know that Marissa Tomei. She just seems a little too. A little, just a little too fiery. I don't know. You need somewhere in the in the in between, maybe. But I don't know. Maybe you could go. Who would you now. put? Um, hang on. I gotta do some age calculations. <laughs> Give me two seconds. Okay, this is easy. This is easy recast right here. Instead of Triple Horn, we're going Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> Why? You don't need to think about it twice. She's the only person to have like to show chemistry with Tom Cruise in the last like 30 years since they made this movie. Um, she probably, she, she has it now. She must've had it back then. They could have, she's only eight years younger than, uh, Jean Triplehorn is yeah. when they made this movie. So you could pull it off, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. Why not? That'd be, that'd be, that'd be a good recast. Jean Triplehorn was 30 when they made this movie. Uh, okay. Jennifer Connelly would have been 22 at the time. So that's that's old enough to be like someone who's like she could have played aged up slightly. The yeah, wife of well, they're supposed to be young. I mean, school. he's yeah, he's just finishing law school, so yeah, it it could work. That's that's the answer right there. Boom, that's my recast. That's good. Sorry, Gene Triplehorn. What funny uh, uh, trivia was at the end of the movie? It's funny where they have a credit. Since laundering drug money is a major theme, this appears at the end of the credits. The producers wish to thank the Cayman Islands government for their cooperation in the making of this film and acknowledge that the Cayman Islands have strict anti-drug and money laundering laws, which are rigorously enforced. <laughs> no, guys, just in case it's not, somebody... it's not cool to just have drugs down here. Yeah. We made that up for the movie. They're like, don't do what these people did. <laughs> Don't bring your your mobsters down here. This isn't a thing. Um, let's let's pivot to our next segment. Cut a scene, add a scene. This is a part of the show where we cut a scene or scenes out of the movie and add a scene or scenes to the movie that didn't exist before. Something we think it needs or could use or whatever, anything like that. Sean, what are you cutting out? Um, I I feel like the whole Mud Island scene was kind of slow. Like, you know, Mitch is, sees Mud Island after he's talking on the phone and he goes, does a tour just to like kill time until the mobsters arrive. 
and then it just seems like very uh, it just doesn't fit it's an excuse um, to get tom tom cruise in a chase scene let's go yeah it well <laughs> so what i would yeah so and, and it's just kind of strange it's just like constant it's like you're like mud island what's that and then it's like a museum and he's doing the cable cars and it just is kind of like you know I, I don't know it just kind of slows it down but it's also fast it's like i don't know what i would do instead is get him either running he needs to run more um, because Tom Cruise running is always, you know, just an intense part of a movie. And then I would get him in a car. Well, that's um, the whole point of that scene is to get him running, right? The Mud, Mud Island scene, the whole point there. So he, we can have a Tom Cruise running scene. He doesn't run running. enough. A lot of times he's just walking through the museum and then he's on the cable car or the monorail. Looking around suspiciously. Yeah. And so I want, I want him to be found in like a, a deli or something at, at the corner <laughs> and he's got to like he's got to run out out the back door and then he finds a car and he 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 drives the car on them they get in a car i don't know i, I want a car chase okay. in here i feel like that would elevate the the intensity of that moment it's just it's a lot of like him interacting with these guys really close and like they don't do anything with yeah him. he's just like oh i'm gonna kick you in your knee because I know that yeah. right knee is the bad knee. It's just kind of like, eh, how is he going to really slip away from these people? Um, yeah. So I think that would speed up that process where you wouldn't have to have him like 20 minutes like going through this tour and everything. And I think it would be right. um, a good showcase for his later Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, I think I, think I can agree. It definitely drags in that segment. Um, my cut... I would I like I said before I think it gets too long carrying out the plot at the end like his plot to you know to circumvent the firm it just gets a little long I think some of that could be condensed down into a montage where she's making copies and stuff or whatever they do it they do sort of a half-hearted montage but I think they just need to lean yeah. it all the way in and make it total montage um so that's what I'm cutting just condensing really not really so much cutting but condensing and then with my extra space yeah, we're adding more Gary Busey into this movie. He's the best, undeniably. He just brings energy. <laughs> He's his name is Eddie Lomax. Like, what more do you want? You want this character? He's only in the movie for like two scenes. Dead. He's electric. Yeah, you want to kill this character off right away? So the you don't really get any of the scenes where he's supposedly asking around about stuff for Mitch, like doing a little bit of his uh, his oh, private right. investigating. I want a scene or two of that. And then on the flip side, I also want more Wilford Brimley. So I want him also looking up Eddie Lomax and following Eddie Lomax around. So maybe a scene where it's both of them. Wilford Brimley, his character is named yeah. uh, William Davisher. So you got Davisher following around Eddie Lomax. That's what I want. Just like a, a little montage action there of that going down. I like you that. Know? Yeah. Gary Busey being sneaky. And Wilford Brimley being even more sneaky, <laughs> and they're sneaking around, following Gary Busey, sneaking <laughs> around, and then they 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 realize they're following each other, <laughs> and it gets awkward. And then you could get, then you get you have a smoother segue into the scene where the henchmen just randomly show up and kill Gary Busey, you know, right just out of nowhere. So I think that is one part of the book that's more elongated is uh, Eddie Lomax's involvement. Um, yeah. 
Whereas in the in the movie, they're just like, we're already at a long run run time. We got to cut some stuff. How are you gonna have Busey on set and not let him do a little more? You know, <laughs> like, come on, come on, come on. Well, That's and I feel eye. like too, to your point, like actually seeing them do the work, like you don't really see Mitch McDeer. Like, what does he do all day? He's just he's like always supposed to be thinking of the clients and. Uh, and he's supposed to kind of over be over, you know, over billing clients and stuff, but we don't really ever see like, how is he money laundering and what do they yeah. actually do in the Caymans? And so I think as you know, the TV show Ozark shows or, um, you know, others that kind of show you the detail, I think it would be cool to see some of those deals and, um, you know, maybe that's too, you know, highbrow for most audiences they're like i don't want to hear what money laundering is but i think at the time in the early 90s people probably didn't really know what this was uh i think we do now as like a modern audience we need a a cut scene of margot roby in a bathtub explaining money laundering to us oh like the big short yeah that would well that's what i'm saying like that would fix the problem the whole underlying movie is about this money laundering for the mob and also evading taxes and how to strategically. Yeah. And there's that one scene where, um, uh, uh, Sonny, the client is like kind of being told by Mitch McDear what to do, but he doesn't really ever say anything. He doesn't say like, Hey, we're going to, you know, and I think like you said with the <laughs> montage, you can actually reduce the runtime if you do the montage on at the end. If you do some of this investigative work, it adds some more yeah. um, uh, uh, explanation and um, intrigue to the whole plot. But then it doesn't really add that much of time. So we're basically anyway. just saying our uh, you know Sydney, our guy Sidney Pollock, our homie Sydney, play smarter, not harder. That's what we're saying. Yeah. Is Sidney Pollock still alive? He's probably dead. Yes, he's dead. Rip in peace, Sidney Pollock. (laughs) Uh, You should have. What you should have done with this movie? You know, you you did many great works. Also, notably directed Sabrina. I believe the Teenage Witch. No, just the the Harrison Ford uh, classic, Greg Kinnear. Anyway, moving on. Um, Do you think that they'll redo this movie? Redo the firm in the modern era? Yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty sure they did a TV show that wasn't highly rated. The thing is, like, I like this movie, but the problem is they don't, like, make movies like this anymore with, like, this would just be, like, a Netflix, like, streamer, you know? Like, it wouldn't be, like, an actual movie movie. Like and Sidney Pollock making this, like he put put a lot of like effort. You can tell it's like it's it's very like finely made. All the the scenes line up and are great. I mean, there's some stuff I want to talk about a little bit later, but you can tell that like this is like a motion picture. It's not just like some some Netflix yeah. joint that they just threw up there to get get some eyeballs on so they can boost right. their viewership numbers out. or whatever. Yeah, it's like this is a, this is a piece of art man it's a piece of art it's a pa- piece of cinema. yeah there actually was a tv show in 2012 with josh lucas as mitch mcdee oh dude what what yeah 
My guy, Josh Lucas. It was very short-lived, I think. Never mind, I'm in. I'm, yeah. Or maybe it was just a limited series. I know what I'm going to be but... watching tonight. <laughs> voice of Home Depot. Um, <laughs> the voice of Home Depot. <laughs> what more could you want in an actor, really? Let's, uh, this sort of, that's a good, perfect transition guy. into miscellaneous uh, questions slash thoughts, etc. Um... <laughs> One of the things I, you know, talk about this movie being cinema and being art. There's a couple of sequences where um, they say something and then something like relatively similar to what they just said happens. So like when Wilford Brimley is is going to try and uh, pressure Tom Cruise with the the by saying he's going to like he's trying to blackmail him Um, when he's trying to blackmail him, he's like. I got the picture about your meeting. Now yeah. it's my job to give you the picture. And he literally hands him a picture of, of Tom Cruise cheating <laughs> on his wife. I just thought it's funny because there's yeah. that like thing. Like I got the picture. Here's a picture. Oh, right. Just great. And then there's yeah. a second scene in the, the final chase where Tom Cruise is like running through the office. He runs into that one, one, one guy's office and the guy's like, Mitch, what can I do you for? Have a seat. And then Tom Cruise grabs it, the dish, yeah. grabs a seat, and throws it out the window. It's like, have a seat. Yeah. Literally, have a seat. It's great. I love it. <laughs> uh, those are two moments. I'm sure there's more. If there are more, and he remembers that there's that cotton truck outside. Yeah. Which, by the way, great. Uh, so good. Like uh, Chekhov's gun scenario, where they show the the cotton truck when he's walking in. So full disclosure for our audience, we've made this next point like four times now, but we keep having audio issues. So if this is like really we're laughing the first time we talked about it and the second time we're and the third time, we're not going to be laughing about it this time, but it's still an interesting point. I was just illustrating how I thought it was interesting that with the cotton truck, you hear the people as he's walking into the office that morning, talking, having a, an argument about whether or not they can park the cotton truck there. Right. It's good foreshadowing because you're like, why on earth would they? Why on earth are they making us listen to these two guys argue about a cotton truck as he's walking in? Yeah, I'm gonna call government regulations or something. Exactly. Yeah. And it comes back in later on. Anyway, that was my genius point. I'm glad we finally got it recorded because it took forever. We really need we really needed that. We needed that. It's a good good little. But no, it is it is good good foreshadowing. But again, that's the type of thing that is in a movie that isn't. They don't do that in like these dumb like random Netflix things or on like the Jack Ryan Amazon Prime show or whatever. Jack Ryan Amazon Prime. One one thing that I thought that like Avery, Avery, it was interesting. I loved his quote where he said like, um, "I'm trying to find it." It was towards the end where he said they had me, you know, long ago. Yeah, I don't know what it was that yeah. they had on him. I, I think it was that that he 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 cheated on his he's a, cheated on his wife. I think that's why he, they got Tom, he, they got Tom Cruise on the same thing that they got uh, Gene Hackman's character. Or Mitch McDeer. Oh. They got Mitch McDeer on the same thing as Avery Tolar. And that's why I think he likes uh, Tom Cruise, Mitch McDeer, because that's why I think Gene Hackman likes Tom, Tom Cruise's character, because they uh, there's he sees some of himself in it. You know, Avery Tolar sees yeah. some of himself in Mitch McDeer. But he feels trapped. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Uh, another miscellaneous note, I, I too love to listen to Lyle Lovett loudly while preparing for dinner. Great scene where he, she's just jamming out to little Lyle Lovett, M-O-N-E-Y, and uh, Tom Cruise truck comes in and cranks it up even louder so that he can like tell her that the place is bugged. Oh, that. right. Yeah. Great sequence. Great song. I don't know. That's all I got. That's all I got for uh, miscellaneous. You got anything else? Um, I, I thought one thing that was was uh, was funny um, was how they basically insert themselves into like the families and everything is basically like through blackmail. Yeah. But what I think's funny is sort of like you could probably find really talented lawyers that would would just be okay like making a ton of money. Yeah. and doing business with the mob so it's sort <laughs> of like oh, i don't really get why they go after like these super um uh ethical right. type people like like he's like the top of his ladder he's like the, he's the second highest score on the bar and all this stuff it's like why not just go for like a little bit lower maybe on the totem pole of like these yeah um just a These guy who's a school guy who's already sleazy and open to corruption. <laughs> cut out the cut out I the know. middle man. Cut out the extra work. Because <laughs> it seems like everyone's okay with it, but Mitch and Avery. And Avery's just kind of like they already have too much on me. Yeah, I'm just kind of, you know, in this. So uh, it's miscellaneous, just because like I don't know if it's if it kind of topples the whole house of cards, but it's just sort of like why. Why do you need Mitch McDeer? Like your your guys did so much investigative, you know, work to be like, yeah. we need this person, and even Avery towards the end is like, oh well, you know, Mitch is Mitch is is ethical, like, yeah. Um, so anyway, well, I, it's just like I an think observation. I think he sort of like realizes that though as time goes on, because you remember that scene in the beginning where he's getting lunch with Avery Tolar, Gene Hackman's character, and they're he, they're both like. So we're both not idealists, you know, we're both just in it for the money, basically. And so that's, they probably had him pegged initially as a guy who was only in it for the money. Like Tom Cruise, because yeah. because his character grew up poor, they were like, oh, he's a poor guy, he's going to want the money, so we'll we'll get him. So that was probably their... Yeah, their, that's uh, true. They yeah, weren't, they weren't counting on him supporter. actually being ethical. But yeah. they play. They play because I mean that is kind of how you they they kind of get him to secure a deal, like going moving to Memphis instead of Chicago or yeah. New York. Or um, it's like okay, well we matched the deal and gave you twenty percent extra of your pay. Yeah, we have all you know all these benefits. You know, every, everybody loves the firm and all this stuff, and it's almost like too good to be true. Yeah, so. Yeah, I forgot about his sort of backstory that helps to frame it. Two more little segments before we before we wrap up. First up, we have a brand new segment. It's called Elijah's Trash Move of the Week. Trash Move of the Week was <laughs> the Tom Cruise character telling his wife he cheated on her in a busy restaurant so she can't flip out in public. That's that's the trash oh, move of the right. week. Like be a man, tell her in private like a normal person. You, you already yeah, cheated take on her. Your already, I mean, the cheating on her, that was the trash move of the week, but this is the follow-up trash move. You're, you, you're double trash. Double trash, Tom. 
<laughs> Tom Cruise, double trash player of the week. <laughs> double trash. Also, then she brings up a point. She's like, basically, she's like, so you just found some random girl on a beach and you had sex with her? What is up with? She's like, who does that? And you know what? She's totally right. Like, who who does that? Is that a thing people yeah. do? You just throw away your entire relationship? I mean, granted, the the girl on the, the beach with the boat, she was super hot, but still, like... Have a little, have some... Yeah, it was strange. Why does why is he not ethical at that point in time? Like, I don't know. That's true, yeah. And it's so early on, he's not really corrupted yet. It's just Maybe like, it's part of the character development. He's he's He was unethical, and that's what helps him realize he needs to be more ethical. Whatever, who knows? That's too deep. Too deep. We're too late. It's too deep to get this late too late to get this deep it was a, a good sort of framing was handing him those pictures and then he goes for like hey uh mitch we need to talk to you in the conference room and it's like everybody's yeah. there and it's like very serious and like the pictures are in that manila folder and it like keeps yeah. getting like dropped and like you're just like this is gonna come out of the folder great, great bit great sequence um Lastly, last segment, also another new segment. We're talking the letterbox breakdown. This is where we oh, we, yeah. we t- talk about what went into our cons- consideration when we uh, gave this our letterboxed rank. So, Sean, I currently have this at a three and a half. You have this on letterboxed as a three and a half as well. A, th- a three and a half. Oh, okay, so double two three and a halves. Um, yeah. Why do you, what went into the three and a half consideration? So the way that I kind of rate things on Letterbox, and you can find me at Letterbox uh, as a Smacky, um, <laughs> if you if you wanna you wanna give a, a follow. Um, I, I feel love like it, anything above a four point you know, you know, on a ten scale is like an eight and above, and I feel like with this movie. It has. It doesn't reach that 4.0 just because I don't think that I'm going back to this movie all the time and being like, oh, I gotta go rewatch The Firm or like The Firm's on Netflix now. Like I need to go watch it. We need to watch it as a friend group or something. It's not. It's it's long, um, and it doesn't need to be long. Um, and I think for me, the comparison to the book, I loved the yeah. book so much, it kind of fell somewhat flat. So. But I think it's just kind of middle of the road, so I, I kind of I gave it a, a three point five. Yeah. What what went into I, your rating? I gave it the three and a half because in my mind four is four is a great movie. Five, four is great. Five is an all timer. Three is good. And I think this was a good is a good movie. And the, the half stars for I would rewatch it. I mean I've seen this movie a couple times now, so it's it's a good movie that I would rewatch. So that's that's the three and a half basically. I think it's really well yeah. made, really like solid. As we said, the soundtrack's fantastic. There's so many great things about it. Our our boy TC, the cruise man, he's electric in it. Like what more could you want? Gene Hackman going off. It's great. But um. It's not a great movie. It's just a good movie that I would watch multiple times. So yeah, I feel like a five point oh that like that's like our top twenty, and a four point five is like top fifty. Yeah, and then like a a four point oh is like maybe top seventy five or a hundred. And so anything like look at it, yeah. 
and I, and I feel like anything below a four is kind of like you know if this was on TV I would watch it if this was yeah. you know on a on a airplane I would watch and be and enjoy it um, yeah. if a friend hadn't seen yeah. it and it's available on Netflix I'd be like hey let's watch this movie um, so it's definitely yeah. one you're gonna you're gonna go to whereas like anything I feel like almost anything between two and three you're probably never gonna go back and watch and you're not gonna speak yeah. about it in public yeah exactly anything below a two anything you're below gonna be like three, that was I'm... awful <laughs> anything below a three i'm never watching again basically <laughs> i was saw it yeah. once i'm not watching again so yeah anyway yeah check us out on letterbox we're both on there i don't know what my username is you just look up elijah smith i'm the the one with the michael mcdonald profile picture that's me so we gotta keep this train rolling. <laughs> um yeah tune in next week next week we might be doing another uh we might, we might be getting back to the trailer park in the trailer park again we're gonna put on our, our our wife beater our rib wife beater tank tops we're gonna crack open a couple of cans of beer and sit, <laughs> sit in the trailer park for a little while cook up some dogs on the grill and or and over the trash can fire that we have you know <laughs> blast some cigs and just just talk about trailers in the trailer park so that's next week keeping it keep an ear out for that um yeah, Sean. Thanks for joining again. I guess the only the only question I really have left left is, uh, who do we build the last hour to? Uh, I think Rudy. I think Rudy's getting that uh, invoice. That was a quote from the movie, Sean. You you missed it. Did you get that? that, that was, no, I got it. I got, it. I got it. Oh, okay. I didn't I know. It. I just I didn't know. You didn't seem like you got it, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I got it. That was me it's sweating not funny bullets when you have to there. Explain like, it. Yeah, like Did Tom Cruise. Did the, you get it? Yeah, it's no longer funny. Anyway, <laughs> thanks everyone for listening. Remember, you can follow us at Loose Concept Pod on Instagram at Instagram on Instagram, or is it just? I think it's just. I think Loose Concept Pod on Instagram. I'm not sure. I don't remember any of the stuff anymore. If you type in Loose you Concept, can us, you'll find it. Yeah, send us an email at looseconceptpod at gmail dot com, and uh, yeah, that's that's all we got. Uh, anyway, see you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember to always. Keep it loose. And keep it conceptual. That price on my head, is that dead or alive? Don't remember. See if he starts shooting. Hey, I, I have an idea. How about we get back to the important topics, like the fact that I almost had my face cut off by a Decepticon as a taxpayer would have lodged a complaint, as a matter of fact. You look gorgeous. No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. <laughs>